Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, let's do it. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Thank you for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can get in the action at the sports book. You can also check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. You want to be a part of the conversation? We certainly hope so. Best way to do that? Ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. Again, 601 879 4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check availability now at ceasefire.com slash business. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. In just a moment, we will go through the Blitz, taking a quick look at a whole bunch of games from all over the college football landscape this past weekend. But first, boys, good Monday afternoon. Give me a, a thought in 30 seconds or less on the weekend that was. Borky, why don't you lead us off? Uh, I'll keep it shorter than 30 seconds. How about three? That could have gone better. Yeah. Could have gone better this weekend. <laughs> that is fair. Which team is he talking about? All Who of knows? Them. Except the for Southern is Miss. Yes. Southern Miss, Jackson State got wins, and we'll talk about Jackson State getting game day and stuff later. So it wasn't all bad around here, but the SEC version of the state of Mississippi could have gone better. Could have gone better. Hey, Dad, quick thought on the weekend. You know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> okay. He's not wrong, though. State's defense, if, uh, they played well. And it's just it masked right. because of the score and there's, the offense and all that. There's some positives. I couldn't yeah. believe it. It's not a very interesting game. No. Like, it was just kind of We knew that one before it kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's bounce all around the country with the Blitz. We go back to Thursday night. Troy at South Alabama. Big game for those two teams in the Sunbelt Conference. Troy gets the win. Not exactly an offensive shootout. They go on the road to Mobile. 
and went 10-6 to improve to 6-2 on the year. South Alabama with the home loss, still leading the West in the Sun Belt, is now 5-2 overall. I don't even know why I grabbed this game other than it was a Big Ten game. Rutgers 24, Indiana 17. Rutgers trending toward a bowl game this year at 4-3. And And since the Outback Bowl a couple of years ago, Indiana going in the wrong direction. They are 3-5, and and they are in sixth place in the Big Ten East. One of the games where we had a chance for a massive upset, maybe even should have had a massive upset this weekend, but it didn't happen, Clemson, South Carolina. They've now won 38 straight games at home. Clemson, 27. Syracuse, 21. First loss of the year for the Orange. Story from that game, DJ Uwe Angalale was benched, but Dabo says he's still our guy. Clemson stays undefeated. It was interesting for about five minutes in Knoxville. 7-7 seven to seven between UT Martin and Tennessee. And then Martin scored some points in the fourth quarter. But at the half, Tennessee led 52-7 to seven over UT Martin. They cruised to the win. Tennessee remains undefeated. Uh, it has not gone well since game day. Showed up in Lawrence, Kansas, 35-23. Baylor gets its fourth win of the season over the Kansas Jayhawks. Jayhawks have now dropped three straight, 35-23, the final in Waco. We were curious last week. Remember we wondered out loud if Iowa's defense would be able to cause problems for Ohio State. The answer? Uh, no. Yes, for a play. They had that one play. So there was that moment in time. (laughs) Joe Flatt on the broadcast, and he was not being sarcastic, said, Iowa's defense know they have to score to to give them a chance. And he wasn't being sarcastic. They actually know they have to score to give their team a chance to win. Believe it or not, Iowa was only down 26-10 to at the half. Problem is, Ohio State scored 28 unanswered in the second half en route to a 54-10 win. Ohio State still undefeated, still number two in the country. One of the fun games of the weekend came from the American Conference down in Highland Park. Number 21, Cincinnati on the road. Remember, Cincinnati lost its opener against Arkansas since then. They have not lost, and that was the case again this weekend. 29-27 for the win over SMU. SMU goes for two late in that ball game, about a minute left. Could not convert on the two-point conversion, and Cincinnati escapes Dallas with another win. I don't know if this says more about the job Mike Elko is doing or more about the state of the Miami Hurricanes football program. Duke picked up its fifth win of the season in year number one for Mike Elko to improve to 5-3 and three on the year with a 45-21 win over Miami, including shutting out the Canes 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter of that game. Good work for Mike Elko and Duke. The guy, the kids who scored a touchdown and then broke the U over his knee, that program will never be the same. It's over for Miami. Mario Cristobal used some time in his press conference today to blame the media for over-inflating expectations and it bleeding into the locker room. So... It's it's our fault. I did pick them to beat Texas A&M, so my bad, guys. Yeah, the the media caused Miami to lose to Middle Tennessee State at home. That, that, that was the media's fault. Good, good job, Coach. 
Northwestern remains undefeated in games in which they play not on the continent of North America. However, they remain winless in games played in North America. Maryland 31, Northwestern 24. Maryland now 6-2, bowl eligible on the year. One of the big games of the weekend happened in the Pac-12. Entertaining football game. Chip Kelly, the former Ducks coach, getting thumped by the current Ducks coach, Dan Lanning. 45-30. Oregon, you know who had a monster game? Some guy named Bo Nix. Nix. He's Ooh. good out there. He's been really good I tell out you, there. That's somebody that maybe in the offseason Auburn needs to look at bringing into the portal. Oh, really? Need a quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> Tulane led 35-0 over Memphis. No problem, right? Well, ultimately, no problem. This one got a little hairy. 14 points in the third quarter, 14 in the fourth quarter. Final score, Tulane 38-28. They're 7-1 and, and up to number 23 in the polls with the win over Memphis, who falls to 4-4. Four and four. Uh, not the best day for Quinn Ewers and the Texas Longhorns. Oklahoma State bounces back from its road loss against TCU with a 41-34 home win over the Longhorns. Oklahoma State is 6-1. Texas falls to 5-3 on the year. Did you see the penalties in that game? So I don't know how it ended, but in the fourth quarter, Texas had 13 penalties for 113 yards. Oklahoma State, zero. Mm. It, it didn't end like that, though. Texas ended up with 14 penalties. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. All of a sudden, BYU, not a very good football team. You know who is? The Liberty Flames. BYU led 14-3, to and then Liberty ripped off 38 unanswered to win 41-14 over BYU he's, in the state of Virginia. He's going like, to Auburn. It's going to happen. <laughs> they stormed the field, by the way. You can't storm the field against teams that have 500 records, guys. What are you doing? Hmm. Field storming might come up later today as well. Wake Forest now 6-1 and one after a 43-15 win over Boston College. Some salty quotes post-game from Dave Clawson. We'll try to get into those a little bit later. He's got Wake Forest. Forest in the top ten again. Once again. And Auburn won't even call him. Idiots. What would they call him? They're gonna have Hugh Freeze. And Missouri <laughs> led Vanderbilt 17 to nothing. Vanderbilt made a furious second half rally, only to fall short 17-14. Yes, Vandy did miss a fourth quarter field goal that would have made it a touchdown game, and then that touchdown late. They did cover really them. Been. They did cover. They it. did. Like, we got the cover. Uh, a pair of two-win teams in the Pac-12? Well, about what you would expect. Stanford 15, Arizona State 14. Stanford is now a three-win team. So what is that? That's 29 point total? 29. That's how many people total. were also in attendance. Did you oh, see the shots? That was rough. Oh, Very horrible. Rough. San Marcos, Texas, Southern Miss 20, Texas State 14. We will get into this one a little bit later. They are not rowing the boat right now in Minnesota. They are treading water. Penn State 45, Minnesota 17. Good news, though. Well, maybe not if you're a Penn State fan. Ohio State coming up next. 
South Carolina did everything they could to give it away, but Texas A&M wouldn't take it. 30-24. to Gamecocks win over the Aggies. East Carolina over UCF. Louisville over Pittsburgh. TCU over K-State. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly timed joke. Completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, how about a little trivia question? Just random college football trivia. Bring it. I gave it to Michael Borky in the break, and he was correct, so the pressure is on. Okay. What university playing FBS football has the smallest student enrollment? Wake Forest? That is not correct. That is the smallest Power 5 school, though. Uh, oh, oh, gosh. All of FBS. I have no idea. The Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Ah. I, I didn't know. And here's another nugget for you. One out of every, I think it's 31, one out of every 30 or 31 students are on the football team. If you do the math, 3,705 students enrolled in the undergraduate program at Tulsa and about 100 Players on the football field, that, that, that stands to reason. Borky, good math. When, when counting walk-ons, you know, you, you got to yeah. stretch a little, but no, it, I understand. it's true. What are there, 50 high schools in Texas with more students than that? My goodness. <laughs> My yes. high school had more students than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, yeah, I was sorry. I was just kind of flipping through uh, Tulsa's game notes. That's where I am on uh, on Saturday. SMU and Tulsa, that, huh. that could actually be kind of fun. That would be a good one. Good. Yeah. Yeah. The middle of the afternoon. Fireworks. High of sixty-one no. degrees. I'm I'm in. Ooh. I am in. Be better than the second half you watched on on Saturday. That's for sure. Uh yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, reasonable to say. <laughs> hey, one, one quick thing. One one quick thing before we get to the games from the weekend. Let me tell you about the uh, Polk's Pick Six. Another good week. By the way, you collectively. Did a better job picking games this week than you did last week. Last week kind of threw us a little bit of a, uh, a monkey wrench. 470 responses this week. 64% of you took Ole Miss to beat LSU. 68.5% of you picked Southern Miss to beat Texas State. Well done. 97.2% of you took Alabama. To beat Mississippi State. Three percent hopes and dreams there. Texas AM South Carolina. How about this one? Seventy-three percent on the Aggies, which means seventy-three percent wrong. Oregon, chosen by sixty-nine percent of you to win nice. against UCLA in Eugene this weekend. And Texas Oklahoma State, 60%. It's a 60 40 split here. 60% had Oklahoma State winning at home. So the results were far better this week. 14 of you went 6 0. 14 of you had LSU over Ole Miss, Southern Miss over Texas, uh, Texas State, Bama over Mississippi State, South Carolina over AM, Oregon over UCLA, and Oklahoma State beating Texas. 
the tiebreaker this week, total points in the Ole Miss-LSU game. Two of you, Bubba and Andrew, both picked 65 as your tiebreaker. On the money. Congratulations. You know what that means, boys? It means one of two things. It either means we're going to flip a coin or we're going to give away not one, but two six-packs of pork meat products. It's almost the holiday season. Generosity. Let's go. Give away. giving mood. Two of them. I got news for you. Talked to Eric at Polk's earlier today. They are in the giving mood. We will give away two prizes this week. Congratulations to both Bubba and Andrew going 6-0 and hitting the tiebreaker on the number. Well done. Well done. A lot of Uh, sausage. Sausage. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, Some of you have pointed out, maybe you're listening in other ways, that uh, we're having some technical issues with one of our affiliates. I think that's 100.9 in the Golden Triangle area. Our apologies. We have let the people that are smarter than us know. I tripped earlier. ran into something. I don't know what it is. I knocked something over. I'm sure that's what it is. Would you would you get yourself together, hey Dad? Please. No, it's 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 way too late for that. Hey, this um, I I I understand that it is not the biggest story of the day. We probably should immediately jump into Ole Miss as the number seven team in the country going into Baton Rouge and losing. Maybe we should jump into uh, Mississippi State going into Tuscaloosa and losing. But the fact is. There was a team in the state of Mississippi that won this weekend, got a big win, and so let's start with Southern Miss. They go to San Marcos, and they get the win on the road. Hey, Dad, you very definitively last week said Southern Miss going to win two more. They're going to get to bowl eligibility. And I think you had them splitting this past week and this week, although got an opportunity coming up with the Raging Cajuns. So that line uh, has shifted, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. It started. Somebody just texted us about it. Started out with uh, Louisiana Lafayette was a two and a half point favorite. Now Southern is a one point favorite. Mm. Some movement on that one. Twenty to fourteen was the final in San Marcos. Southern Miss a fifty-three yard touchdown pass. Zach Wilkie to Chandler Pittman with thirty-two seconds remaining, trailing at that point. Uh, they were down 14-13. As uh, Texas State, by the way, took the lead with a minute 21 to play. They had a big touchdown pass, 74 yards to uh, to take the 14-13 lead. And then Southern Miss gets it done with the big touchdown pass. That's a great win for the Golden Eagles. Zach Wilkie, 18 of 25, 187 yards. That was his only touchdown pass of the day. He was, uh, he was picked off twice. Frank Gore led the way with 91 yards on the ground. Uh, Janari Dean had a touchdown running in the game. And Tavius Willis was the leading pass catcher. Six receptions. But uh, Miss got it done. Congrats to the Golden Eagles, who are now 4-3 and three on the season. They are 2-1 and one in conference play. And if you look ahead to the remaining schedule, they, they got a chance. They've got a chance coming up this week, midweek game, Thursday night, 
Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, on the deuce. On ESPNU. I thought it was two. Believe it's you. On the deuce. Yeah, yeah, either way. So Southern Miss, Lafayette coming up on Thursday night. No, it's ESPN2. I was right. Okay. Sorry. I'm looking at College Press Box and it says ESPNU. I'm glad you're right. We should be there. Tell tell them to sell us a remote in the next two days. Let's get down there. In the press box. We, you know what we should do? We should get Richard to uh, to make his you guys pick are with a mascot it really head. Difficult for me on travel. <laughs> we we just need to get you to have hey, a mascot head on. Fly out of Hattiesburg, it'll be fine. That would be magic. Uh, then Georgia State on November fifth. Then a road trip to Coastal. Then South Alabama. Then at ULM to close it out. They're going to a bowl, and they're doing this with a true freshman quarterback. I've been saying for the past, you know, since he got there, that Will Hall was going to get that thing going in the right direction. You should be thrilled right now if you're a USM fan. Things are going in the right direction, and you've got a great young core to build around and a, and a, and a fired-up, excitable head coach that's clearly passionate about your university. You can't ask for a whole lot more right now than that Southern Miss. That program is going in the right direction. Beautiful. Beautiful. Get to the Rock on Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You got to. It's it's time. Yeah. You we know, said it to state fans. We said it to Ole Miss fans. Now we're saying it to Southern fans. Go support go, your team. Yeah, go. You got and, to. And look, maybe 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 you're a Southern Miss fan that has other allegiances. On Saturday, you choose to go to Oxford or Starkville or Baton Rouge or wherever. It's a Thursday night. You have nothing else standing in the way. Make your plans. Will Hall and the Golden Eagles deserve it. That is a big one against the Raging Cages. Trying to get to three and one in conference as well. How about that? And they're yeah. three and one, you got a chance. And doing it defensively too. The nasty mm-hmm. bunch is back. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of messages on the ceasefire text line. Chase from Columbus, a radio show giving out sausage to a winner named Bubba. It's the most Mississippi thing ever. And really for is. that chase, we make zero apology. None. It's a Mississippi. It's a Mississippi company making the sausage too. You better believe it. Uh, one of you was going to follow something that Steel Cracker was cooking, and I want to know how that turned out. Please, what did you cook, Steel and how did cracker. it work? Somebody says stale cricket. Oh, I think it was a hate character. <laughs> Voice I like texter, steel cracker better than stale cricket. Uh, autocorrect is getting him. Yeah, I did a uh, I did a stovetop shrimp boil in a big. I think it's five gallons, a big five five gallon pot, and it was excellent. Doing a low country boil is so easy. There's that like, is a big stove pot. If that, if you put it at a five, yeah, it, it's about yeah, it's I think like so, a, something like that. Five gallon bucket is what you get at the you know. Like, uh, so it's probably like four. It's not that uh, big, but either way. Right, Doing yeah. a low country boil on a stovetop is so easy and so good, and it, it worked out beautifully. So, Did you put you it go. on a cracker? Put it on a cracker, dude. Very good. We'll get into Ole Miss and LSU when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Aha! Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home.
number one gathering place for networking with statewide political and business leaders. For more info about this year's Hobnob or to register, go to mec.ms. M-E-C dot M-S. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, let's dive in to uh, to the games from this past weekend. And uh, we'll start with Ole Miss's trip to Baton Rouge. The, the game, honestly, could not have started any better for Ole Miss. I mean, you, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Rebels win the coin toss, they take the ball, they drive down the field, they stick it in the end zone, and it was a mix of pass and run. The big play to... Uh, to Mingo down to the one yard line. They have the false start penalty, backs it up to the six. Quinchon Judkins almost untouched into the end zone, up seven nothing. LSU gets the ball. They drive right down the field, but their drive stalls out. They kick a field goal, makes it seven three. Ole Miss gets the ball, second possession. Boom, 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 right down the field. Ole Miss scores again, and it's 14 to three. And you're looking around, and you're going, okay. We got, we got something here. Ole Miss would kick one more field goal, and that would be all the scoring they do on Saturday. There are a lot of reasons why. You guys watched this game on Saturday. 100,821, the announced attendance. There weren't that many people there, but there was a big crowd, and they were into it. They were big time into it. So... Not only would Ole Miss lead 14-3, to but they would kick a field goal in the opening play of the second quarter. By the way, I thought that was the first mistake of the game. Not kicking the field goal. That made sense to me. Cruz made it from 32 yards. I thought third down was a mistake. They, the, the previous play ended with like 32 seconds left in the half, or in the, in the quarter. The clock never started. There's no reason to run a play there with three seconds left in the quarter. Flip ends of the field. Take two and a half minutes to talk about what you want to do. You've got it down, you know, close. You're trying to make it 21-3, to which win, lose, or draw feels different than 17-3. to But they rushed a play with three seconds left, got stuff, wait for the quarter to flip, and then they go kick a field goal in the first play of the second quarter. That didn't make any sense to me. There's a, a couple of things, not necessarily offensively, that, that didn't make much sense either. I mean, it, there's so much to digest in a game like that. But but here again, to continue on with this theme, Ole Miss gets out of the gate fast. They might be the best first quarter team in all of college football. I mean, just they they, they come into these games with these unbelievable. I, I don't know if it's script or or whatever. We're not in the coach's booth. But they start out so fast, and they look so prepared, and they execute so well, and then something happens. Because Saturday wasn't the first time it happened against Auburn. They had a 21-0 lead. Auburn was able to climb back in. Happened against Kentucky. They were up 14-0. Kentucky climbed back in. Happened against Tulsa. 35-17. You won that game by 8. It happened even against Troy. In, In Vanderbilt, you actually didn't jump off to a good start, but... This is kind of a it's a trend becoming habit for Ole Miss, and I would love to know why or or what that is that causes them to hit a wall. If it's getting off script, or if it's opponent adjusting and you not adjusting to their adjustments, or or whatever it is, because they look so every week they look so sharp, so prepared, and then boom, it's like they crash into this wall, 
and cannot do anything after they hit that wall. And whatever it is, I'm not smart enough to know what it is, but that happens every single week to this team. Except to Vanderbilt. That was the only week that yeah. Ole Miss has played a good second half. Uh, you know, obviously against a really outmatched opponent, but we were I, we talked about this a little bit on Thunder and Lightning just because we were going around the SEC a bit. And I mean, if if you're winning at the end of the first quarter against Ole Miss somehow, you're going to win by like 30 <laughs> because they just keep falling down the whole game for some reason. And it's weird because you think a team that runs the ball as successfully as them would just wear opponents out. And by the end of the fourth quarter, they, they should just be getting whatever they want. And it's just not happening for whatever reason. You know, when you take the game as a whole, there are a couple of takeaways from Saturday. First of all, tip of the cap to LSU. They had some issues early in the year. That is a football team that is getting better. And if they are able to avoid injuries from from here on out, then they're going to win a bunch of games. Because that first group on the defensive line is good. They're one silly first, special teams mistake away from being uh, seven and one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're a good team. They're a good team that that I think is getting better. Their quarterback is mm-hmm. getting better. Their wide receivers are more engaged. Malik Neighbors is no longer dropping the ball. Kayshawn Booty is playing at a really high level. They're healthier now at running back. They got two guys at running back. I think offensive line can still be a bit of an issue, but Jaden Daniels, he erases some of that issue because of his ability to move around. Their secondary is still worrisome. And, you know, that, that, that may be their Achilles heel for a team that can really take advantage of that. When you look at what LSU's got remaining, how many teams are you worried about really just absolutely scaring their secondary to death? And boys, the freshman linebacker, number 40, they got a player there. Lane Kiffin said, I made the comment after the uh, the game, and I forgive me for just not right off the top of my head remembering his name. Um, Perkins, Harold Perkins. Perkins. Yeah, Harold Perkins. I made the comment at one point in the game, I was like, guys, I don't know if we're talking about 40 enough, because it feels like on every single play he is right there. He's either making the play or he's right there with the play. We get into the postgame, I'm talking to Lane Kiffin, he's like, I wish they had waited one more week to decide to just play Harold Perkins a lot because he's really, really good. <laughs> and they're he, good up he, here. I mean, so I mean, he's he's good enough. He's so good that they they're like, we're going to put Ojolari, our preseason All American, on the field less, so that we can get this guy on the field. That's how you good know he what is. that does. Makes that him better. More, well, yeah, but it also gives more fuel in the tank for Ojolari because he's not playing as many yeah. snaps. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, Ali Gay, you're able to kind of rotate him. Anyway, that's a good team. Hmm. Ole Miss got whipped at the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line could not win one-on-one. Uh, because LSU, they didn't do – well, that's not fair. They, they did some blitzing. They, they brought some different looks and brought some pressure from a lot of different places. Um, Ole Miss got whipped at the line of scrimmage, especially its offensive Credited. line. Credited. 
and Ole Miss got no pressure Credit with their with 17 man hurries, I think. Jeez. Is that the number I saw? And that's a, a sophomore quarterback in his first real road environment yeah. under that pressure. And I thought he handled that well. Yeah, pretty good job, guys. I saw somebody, I think he, they're... He kept getting up. Yeah. I think it's somebody that's employed by by jocks, but the Cole Kublick's show retweeted his thought and said, Ole Miss has a dart problem. And I thought, what game are you watching? Of all the, of all the problems on that team, you're telling me after watching that game, quarterback's a problem? No, Ole Miss has got a depth problem. They've got a health problem. Those young tackles that we talked about kind of playing really well early. They're maybe hitting the wall a little bit, and they're going up against some guys who are physically better than them and more mature than them. Um, but Ole Miss, I mean, this is a really, really, really big week coming up for the Rebels as they head to Texas A&M. If Ole Miss can win, they get to the open date and they feel okay about themselves. Mm-hmm. And they've got to do some self-scouting, too. And again, I... Chris Partridge knows more about football than I could ever dream of knowing. But, I mean, how many times... I rewatched the game, and when you pause it at the snap, Ole Miss's scheme, they're just going to have light boxes. They just are. There's going to be five guys in the box, and LSU ran on them. And I think on 30... So there are 37 first down plays for LSU. I think 31 went for five yards or more. So so they ran on on, on a light box because that's what you do. But... How often on either first downs or third and medium, second and medium, third and short, did Ole Miss have defensive backs and safeties 10 yards off? The, just just allowing Daniels, who is not a good deep ball passer, even on his long touchdown was a very poorly a thrown throw. football. That's a bad throw. But you allowed this kid to sit in the pocket and just throw a little hitch routes just underneath, very comfortable pitch and catch all game long. And yes, you're very scared of booty. Like you, that's a clip for tomorrow. Um, but but you are. <laughs> However, if you're just gonna let Daniel sit in the pocket, take the snap, one read, throw to a guy that's got ten yards of cushion on a five yard third and five for a first down all game, when do you expect to have success defensively? They've got to do some self scouting and change some things too. They made it easy on LSU in the passing game. I think Ole Miss was limited in the second half especially with Troy Brown not taking a snap in the second half and Finley being out as well. I think it limited what they could do. We'll pick the conversation up next. The Junction, in the Grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Porky, we'll turn the page tomorrow to the games coming up this week. Mississippi State with an open date as they will have Auburn in uh, 11 days. And then after that, Georgia rolls into Starkville. Did I not do the math right on that? I'm sure you did. We'll take your word for it. I, I, I don't do the eleven. I don't do the eleven days. Thing. I, I can't do it in my head. Twelve. Sure. I think it's twelve. 
Whatever. Well, tomorrow. Anyway. He said tomorrow. So. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow will be 11. That's right. Yeah, so, so we will turn the page to those games. But you said to me a moment ago, as I was alluding to the fact that Ole Miss got some pretty serious health issues on its roster at this point. Zach Evans did not play. I was told definitively he could go, but they didn't know if he would. Apparently Lane Kiffin told Gary Danielson of CBS that he wasn't counting on him. He had a big old brace on his left leg, knee, whatever. Um, obviously no Michael Trigg, et cetera. But you were, the point I was making was you were saying to me, Texas A&M may be in, be in even worse shape. Yeah. Uh, I mean, two starting offensive linemen now out for the year. Uh, Haynes King injured his shoulder. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, after the game, said Haynes wanted to come back in, but he separated it or something. was very nonspecific. But his throwing shoulder was clearly hurt, and it got him out of the game. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, but when a quarterback injures his throwing shoulder and cannot play and was wincing in pain, that doesn't just get fixed in six yeah. days. Uh, so there, there's a chance that Texas A&M is starting a third-string true freshman quarterback for the first time in his career behind an offensive line filled with backups. And th- there was a quote from... You need Cedric Johnson to be as healthy as he can be. And, see, and that's the thing. So Ole Miss is really banged up, right? You've got... And, and a lot of these guys have played through it. Like, Troy Brown is clearly playing through at least one injury, and God bless him, he's tough as can be, but he is not Troy anymore. Brown has a shoulder injury that he has been dealing with for a few weeks that is kind of pain tolerance related, and he's a tough dude. Yeah. And I think you're going to see him go out and try to play on Saturday night. But, but at some point in Baton Rouge, starting defensive end, your best one, your best linebacker, your best safety all out. You've lost your tight end, and we've seen the impacts of, of that, with all due respect to the current tight end. Uh, it's in his head at this point. Big third down drop that could have been a, a momentum saver in the game, but instead you punted away, LSU scores, and that was your ball game right there. Uh, and Zach Evans, you had an injury on the offensive line. I mean, Ole Miss is really, really banged up right now. But Texas A&M is in worse, a worse situation than you are at this point. And you're getting them at a good time. An A&M player to the media today said that they had a quiet, I forget the other word, but there, there's... Quiet div- and fractured locker Fractured, room. that's the word. Yeah, there's division in the locker room right now. They're three and four. Things are going terribly there. Um we may not have enough time for this take. Maybe we spend on it tomorrow. I think this is as close as a must-win game for a team that cannot win a championship and a coach that is not on any sort of any hot seat at all. But despite the loss, Ole Miss still has an access bowl in play, and they don't have to go undefeated to get there. Winning back-to-back ten game seasons, or having ten wins in back-to-back seasons would be a really big deal. All of these things are still in front of this team, you have to win this game to get there. And if you want people to start respecting you more than they did leading up to the LSU game, where Tebow said what he did on SEC Nation and all this stuff about how Ole Miss is perceived doesn't match the record in the last couple of years, to be honest. If you want that national respect, you don't lose games like this. This is a bad team, an injured team. You're favored. Quote, must win, end quote. Is weird to say when, again, they can't win a championship and a coach is not in danger of getting fired, but this is as close as you can get. 
Here was the quote from Damani Richardson, defensive back for Texas A&M. It's very shocking. We worked hard and had buy-in. Things haven't turned out the way we wanted them to. The locker room is silent and fragmented, but I still see a fight. Mm. That's a brutal quote. I feel like this game, either Ole Miss is going to win easily or Texas A&M is going to win close. I don't feel like it's a game where Ole Miss is going to – if it's close, I like A&M. But in a blowout, I like Ole Miss. Texas A&M has played close games, though, because their defense has kept them in everything. Yeah. All I know is if I – clearly I'm not. If I am Jimbo Fisher, I'm telling Devin A. Chain today and tomorrow and the next day – don't make any plans for after the game on Saturday night. The only place you're going to want to go is the ice tub. Get good rest. You're about to run it a bunch on Saturday night. That's what I'm doing if I'm Jimbo Fisher. LSU had 250 on the ground. Auburn had 300 on the ground. That's the last two SEC games. Devin A-Chain's as talented as Tank Bigsby and more talented than either of LSU's running backs. Well, Daniels, he's different. Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour coming up. You know what that means. Winners and losers are next. Hey, guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. o'clock hour on this Monday afternoon, the 24th of October on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm, supertalk TV, and of course on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Thanks for joining us. Sports Talk coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Not one, but two 18-hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Looks like it's going to cool off later this week. Kind of be in the Low 70s, maybe upper 60s, mid-70s at the most. Really good golf weather in the fall. You want to uh, book a tee time or plan a trip, go to DancingRabbitGolf.com. You want to be a part of the conversation, join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. Check availability now at cspire.com slash business. Let's do it. Winners and losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Two quick kind of sappy winners, and then we'll probably go sports-related the most uh, from there on out. I'm putting myself in the winner's category because I had a, uh, a weekend on the road with my boy. Uh, Obi traveled with me this weekend. In two years, he has now been able to check off Neyland Stadium and Tiger Stadium. That is two college football cathedrals, and uh, he's a good running buddy. So Friday just kind of hung out. 
big breakfast at the hotel, Bass Pro Shop, Top Golf, hung out with some family, went to a little party for a while on uh, on Friday night, and then game day on Saturday. Really, really cool to get to uh, travel and kind of get to. I've been really careful not to ever allow myself to take for granted how cool what I get to do on Saturdays is. You know, whether it's announcing a game from a booth or being on the field in some of these great environments. But to get to watch somebody else see those environments for the very first time and kind of watch a college football game, a road college football game through the eyes of a nine, ten year old, that's pretty neat. So I'm putting myself in the winner's category for getting to experience that with my son. Also, did you guys see this? So last week, Kentucky did their blue and white game in a smaller community that was affected by the floods in Kentucky. And there was a picture that emerged on the Internet that John Calipari commented on. It was very clear it was a young boy who was with his dad, and his dad literally was in his work clothes and looked like he was covered in dirt and soot. He was a coal miner who had gone straight from work to the basketball game to be with his son and kind of sit there and watch Kentucky in a place where they don't get to go a lot. John Calipari points this out, says, you know, the Calipari family legacy began in West Virginia in a coal mining town. Got family that was, he's like, I got great respect for this, so cool. We're going to host this family in Lexington for a, uh, a Wildcats game at Rupp soon. And the guy's wife found out about it and posted, and so they could. It was just a really neat story. So there are a lot of people that have uh, shots that they take at John Calipari all the time. I thought this one was really cool. Cal- Calipari is a really nice guy. Now he's a he's going to do everything he can to win. We'll put it that yep. way, as far as being a coach. But as a human being, quality and 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 very generous, and has used that very over the top platform and has leveraged his former players and their willingness to come back and be generous as well to raise a lot of know, money for a lot of really good causes. I know for a fact that, and I'm sure it's the same in Oxford when he comes there, but whenever he comes to Starkville. He attends Mass at the Catholic Church here, and there's always a $1,000 check waiting for him when he when he leaves the church. Hmm, that's cool. Very cool. So I'm, And I'm sure it's the same in Oxford. All right. Give me a winner, boys. Sporky, give me a winner. Oklahoma State. So that team is put together by duct tape, man. I mean, you want to talk about banged up. Oklahoma State is in that category. They've got a really cool home environment. The stands are built basically on top of the field. There's no sideline space. It's a it's a really cool-looking environment, and they beat Texas. Quinn Ewers had unbelievable passing numbers if you just look at completions and touchdowns. But he was like 19 of 39 or something. Or, or mm-hmm. He was... I had it up, but I dropped 19 it. Either way, 19 maybe. of 49, excuse me, but for 319 oh. yards doesn't matter. Throwing the ball down the field. Throwing the ball down the field, but Texas with their third loss of the season. And now there's a controversy, which I'll get to in losers. But Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, great environment, putting a team together by duct tape, and they still have a very outside, but an outside shot at making the playoff. Very outside with a loss. Very outside. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, give me a winner. Shane Beamer, yeah, just keeps winning. He's five and two, and he has a great chance to be an eight-win team. 
in his second year at South Carolina. And you talk about, you know, doing it with like the paint by numbers. Who who's their best player? Top of your head. Do you know? I don't know. Maybe Marshawn Lloyd. The only reason I know any of the names is my buddy Ben Portnoy covers them, and I just still follow him on Twitter. So I see the updates. But he is building a program there. Now, is he going to be able to compete with Georgia? I don't know. But can he turn that program in, into a consistent oh, oh, 8 I, I know. Win? The answer is no. Yes, probably no. But you know what? Through the years, South Carolina has found a way to annoy Man. Georgia. So You're right. We'll see. I mean, I don't think it's going to be this year, but if I'm Dabo... I'm, I'm a little. I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder a touch at Shane Beamer. I, I like what they're doing there. If that game was in Columbia this year instead of in Clemson, I think Clemson yeah. would need to be on upset watch. Whew, yeah. South Carolina tried to give that game away at the end, and <laughs> A&M just wouldn't or couldn't take it, whichever it is. Clemson mm-hmm. should have a loss, by the way. ACC officials did their job to make sure their bell cow is going to stick with it, but um, that's not a top-five team in the country. Officials no. doing something to help a top five team? I wouldn't know anything about that. Buddy, I'm not convinced Clemson would be a nine win team in the SEC East, depending on who their crossover matchups were. You uh you, you might be onto something. Uh winner LSU fans. They were so overjoyed by the win over Ole Miss on Saturday that they rushed the field after <laughs> it was over. Um <laughs> when that happened, I did a double take. I was like, oh wait, hold on. Wait, they're coming on the field? I was like, that's going to be expensive. And that's, a, you know, normally when teams rush the field, you're like, ah, whatever, they'll write the check. My guess is Scott Woodward's not going to be super fired up about writing the $250,000 check. Fifty. Yeah, this was their third violation of the playing area sanctity rules post game. 250000 for rushing the field after a 25 point win that had no drama in the last eight minutes of the game. It did, boo. Okay. I also got a kick out of Brian Kelly's speech of October is for pretenders and November is for contenders, delivered on October 22nd. <laughs> yeah. He's a good coach. But I get man, the point. He's, he's awkward. I get the point, but let's check a calendar, you know? Yeah. Or yeah. you get another winner? Um, it, piggybacking on what you said, though, you cannot – Claim superiority over a team in which you storm the field after beating. You can't do it. Now, the record says that LSU is better than Ole Miss because they have won more games. It's a very similar record to the Egg Bowl. I I don't know. uh, Some people around here have forgotten that fact, I guess. But you cannot claim superiority over somebody else if you storm the field after beating them. Can't do it. Cannot do it. That $250,000 check that you're going to write to the SEC tells you that you don't view them as an inferior. I tend to agree with that. Uh, hey, Dad, you got another winner? Or do we switch to losers now? We can switch. Okay. Here's a big one. I've got a, I've got a few, but uh, Derek and Greenwood actually stole mine, so I'm going to steal yours, Derek. Nick Saban. So he didn't suspend his receiver who hit the girl on the head, storming the field. Okay, I'm not going to get into the semantics of that. Using he was scared as an excuse for not suspending him, I thought was ridiculously weak. And That's dumb. He was scared, Nick? Scared of her? 
a girl that a, a a much smaller college girl that was running past him made him scared. Come on, man! Got, uh, Come on! You got Fowler and Herb Street up there just talking about you know parroting those talking points. I'm like that was kind of embarrassing. Scared? That's that's your excuse. There, there are five other things that I can think of off the top of my head that would have sounded better than he was scared of her. If he's scared, he shouldn't be on your football team, buddy. Yeah. Hey, Dad. Loser. Uh, you know, maybe I should have made this a, a winner, to be totally honest. I guess we'll do it real quick, but congrats to Alabama, the most penalized team in the SEC. Only three penalties called against them on Saturday. Hey, Birmingham, let's make it a, a tad bit less obvious next time, please. Sports Talk Mississippi, your winners and losers next. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. from this weekend before we go to the ceasefire text line and get listener winners and losers Texas mm-hmm. Texas already? not because they lost oh okay not because they well I mean they're a loser for losing obviously I thought they were back Sark was gonna save the day um no it, Steve Sarkeesian had to apologize today in his weekly press conference not because his team didn't show up in the second half, not because they've underperformed, not for any reason other than he did something so offensive after the game, and some of his players did it as well. Terribly offensive. Did they tweet something bad? Were there negative words? Was there a hand gesture? No. Steve Sarkeesian had to apologize in his press conference today because he didn't remain on the field for the singing of the eyes of Texas. He will never do he will never do that again. He he said he was just distraught by the way his team played and set a bad example for everybody. That culture is not prepared for the SEC. It is not and it's little stuff like that that tells you all you need to know. He had to apologize for not staying on the field for the playing of the eyes of Texas after a road loss. Yikes. That's a big deal. Kind of, burying the, kind of burying the lead for losers, but Ole Miss. They got, I mean, they were undefeated. They were in great shape. All you got to do is keep winning, and you're going to go to Atlanta. And, and you got handled and exposed a little bit. That's a, that's, that, that, was not, that was not the performance the Rebels needed. Oh, yeah. Well, and I go back to what we said earlier in the show. It was it was at the line of scrimmage where oh, I mean, you know, did Jaden Daniels make plays with his feet? Absolutely. Did Ole Miss give cushion in the secondary? Yes, they they certainly did. But LSU absolutely harassed Jackson Dart, and and Dart still played pretty well considering. Yeah. I mean, hey, hey, Dad pointed this out earlier. Uh, quarterback hurries 
We go to the stat chart for LSU. There were seven pass breakups, seven quarterback hurries, and three sacks in the game. I actually thought the hurries were more than that. I listened to, to Josh Pate last night, and he said he, he they put 17 on television. Well, and maybe CBS. that was maybe that was quarterback pressures. I, I don't know the difference in pressures maybe, and hurries, whatever. but whatever. But his his comment was they could have doubled that number. That's how it's what it felt like. That's yeah, it's what it looked like there for a while. One more loser for me, uh, NFL officials. So uh, there were oh, some well, I mean, there, yeah. there was there were some <laughs> questionable things that happened in the Clemson game. I, I think, for lack of a better phrase, I think Syracuse got screwed. I, I think that they they, they simply did. A bad pass interference call, a no call on a late hit out of bounds would have probably sealed the game uh, for Syracuse. They didn't get it. They lost. There was a horrible roughing the passer call in the state game. Now inconsequential to the outcome, but are you kidding me with that? Doesn't get as bad as this. NFL officials, two of them, were videoed after the Bucks game waiting for Mike Evans in the tunnel to get his autograph. And that doesn't sound like much Probably to you, that is a massive no-no, a big conflict of interest. It calls into question the legitimacy of the game and the crew because if you are asking players for their autograph, it speaks to bias. I'm lawyering here, but the the league's got to investigate that, and those guys can't continue officiating games. You cannot ask players for autographs after games. Can't do it. You cannot do it, and it's on video. In, In fairness, in fairness... It's not like Mike Evans won the game for the Bucks. They got beat twenty-one to three. No, no, they. St- Brady I mean, should still. Brady should have stayed retired. Matt, but when we go to media days, they are very adamant with us about, hey, don't you're not here to get autographs or anything like that. Anybody who does that's going to be thrown out. I mean, and we're just covering the team. We're yeah. not. We, nothing we do influences the game. You can't do. Yeah. That. Imagine that officials weren't good. All right, ceasefire text line, uh, loser. Mississippi State for being afraid of jerseys that say Alabama. We will get a, into that, that conversation poor, coming up in a bit. Poor statement. The jerseys don't say Alabama. Yeah, they're just they're just solid crimson. Uh, That's all they are. Let's see here. Brad in Burnsville, loser. Ole Miss's offense, defense, and coaching on Saturday. Uh, David, loser, Mike Leach, for going for it on fourth down deep in your own territory in the first quarter, like it's the first quarter, uh, fourth quarter, essentially giving the game away. Also, him blaming his players by saying they were scared. He he didn't get, give the game away by doing that. It, it, that's, that's one thing that we talked about last year, some, when Ole Miss played Alabama. If you're overmatched, and let's be totally honest, he didn't give the game away in the first quarter. There was nothing Mike Leach did that gave the game away. They were going to lose the football game. But if you're going to win that game, you have to maximize every possession. Field goals are not beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa. It's not happening. They're not going to. And even when you decided to kick one, you still missed it. You feel, and and it's an appropriate feeling, when you have a chance to score, you have to put seven on the board. That means you have to go for it on fourth down. That means you have to maximize every possession. Those decisions are not wrong ones. It's uncomfortable because old school football says take the points. But I always applaud coaches that decide, I want to win. I don't want to lose by less. So I have to go for it here because that's how we're going to give ourselves a chance to win the game. So go for it. Try to win. 
I don't disagree with anything you're saying there. Uh, but I think he's referring to the possession where State goes for it on its own 30. Yeah, it's, it's tough. But that said, it's third and it, you had it second and, or sorry, third and maybe six inches. You should be able to get the first down, but they threw it twice. And I was going to say, that was where they went throw the ball, throw the ball on third and short, third and short, yeah. or third and short, fourth just, and short. Just, yeah. And that's another one where if you, if you look at what's happening, it's pretty obvious Rodgers is audibling out of the run. Leach has got to say something there and be like, ah, uh-uh. it's six inches. Hand the ball off and let him fall forward and we'll get the first down. Uh, loser Mike Leach for not having State ready to play Alabama ever. Uh, loser Saban saying his player was scared for the reason to hit the girl in the head and for playing the guy who was in anger management for punching a Texas A&M player. Loser, Ross Bjork, for Jimbo's ridiculous contract. Jake, the loser is obviously Ole Miss. However, loser is LSU fans storming the field after beating a mid-tier SEC team, especially after having LSU alum fans on the SEC network talk about a championship mentality. Uh, Winner, tailgate for Palmer on Saturday. That was in Oxford. Says Witt with Palmer home is on his winner's list. Guy went above and beyond to make sure that everyone was having a great time. So very cool on that front as well. Winner, the Houston Astros. Whew, that one was not close. That series. Loser, defensive players touching quarterbacks after they pass the ball. Uh, winner, Ole Miss football for achieving a status that caused LSU fans to rush the field after the game. Loser, LSU fans for rushing the field after beating Ole Miss. That's from Jeff in Oxford. And then, uh, loser, refs at LSU. That's from Debbie in Ocean Springs. You know, the only one from an Ole Miss perspective that I had a problem with was on the interception. I think Malik Keith was clearly driven out of bounds by the defensive back. But when Jackson Dart's arm was hit and it was a throw that was so far away from the intended target, it was like the officials didn't even see it. Malik Heath was certainly looking for a flag. And by the way, Malik Heath played a really good game for Ole Miss on Saturday against LSU. He's had a good season. Uh, Here we go. Winner, Delta State. Number 8, Delta State, 45-10 to 10 over Shorter. That was last Thursday. The 8th-ranked Statesman are 8-0 and overall, 5-0 and in the Gulf South Conference. Took care of business in Western Georgia, winning their second road game of the year at Shorter. Statesman outgained the Hawks 494-341. That is from, uh, from Ben, who sends us the Delta State update each week. Uh, also, winner, Delta State kicker Nick Herber. Third leading scorer in kicking in all divisions. Okay. Uh, a few others here. Let's see here. Loser Chris Partridge for staying in that three-man defensive front all day. I understand the frustration. Mississippi State held Alabama to 29 rushing yards in Tuscaloosa running a three-man front. It's not having three down defensive linemen. That is the issue. Even with scheme and play calling, it's not having three guys down there. NFL teams run three-man fronts. Georgia, at times, I've seen three-man fronts. It's it's not the three-man front that's Ole Miss's issue. you got to have dudes if you're going a three-man front. And their best dude is, I mean, limping on the sidelines and somehow going into a football game and playing. 
And and playing well, right? I mean, Cedric Johnson had a couple of sacks in the ball game. He just can't play much. They don't have the dudes that can do it. No. No. Especially at linebacker. Stayed healthy. I mean, he was a complete difference maker at defensive end. Cedric Johnson, when healthy, can be that as well, but he's not right now. Uh, all right. Last one, and we're going to talk more about this later in the show. Jackson State saying undefeated and earning the right to host college game day in Jackson this coming. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. those of you that were mad at me for talking into the break, my apologies, especially you, Jeff and Walnut, who says, loser Richard, you're supposed to be a professional broadcaster. Do you not have a clock that tells you when the breaks are coming? You're running your big mouth when the bumper comes in and goes to break. So, sorry, Jeff. My, my bad. That was harsh. Um, if you missed what I was saying at the end, I was saying that Jackson State is a winner. After their victory this past weekend, they stay undefeated, and they are hosting college game day with uh, Southern University coming to town this week. That is going to be a scene in Jackson. That'll be really, really cool. I don't think, you guys can fact check me on this if you'd like, I don't think game day has ever originated from an HBCU game before. I don't think that they have. I'm not sure, but... I don't think that yeah. they have. I know yeah. they haven't done one here. Certainly not. Certainly not. And it's super cool. The amount of publicity that Deion Sanders has brought to Jackson State and the city of Jackson yeah. is that, that I don't know that there's anybody else on planet Earth that could do what he has done at Jackson State. No. Since we started the conversation, we might as well uh, might as well finish it. Yeah, and the the beauty of what's happening this weekend is that it's because they're winning. Barstool would have done a documentary on Jackson State and Deion Sanders, regardless of the record. You know, yeah. guys like Snoop Dogg probably would have showed up at his program regardless uh, of their record. People would have paid attention because a lot of people pay attention to him. College game day is coming to Jackson on Saturday because his team keeps winning. It's incredible. I, you know, I, I lived in Jackson for a time. I, I live in this area. It's expected, not shocking at all, and I understand it to some degree. That the, the jokes are are being made. Somebody on the text line said, uh, tell game day to not drink the water. I've got Jackson water in this cup right here. I'm drinking it just fine. So I think I think the guys at game day will be fine as well. I, I haven't died yet. Maybe it'll kill me. I don't know, but I've been drinking it for weeks. So uh, maybe it's a slow burn. People are taking, around this state, are taking their shots at, at Jackson. And I would encourage you to go outside and touch grass for a little while. I'm not naive. Jackson has problems. It does. It absolutely does. A lot of them. 
But there are a lot of really good, hardworking people that spend every day trying to make Jackson better, and slowly but surely they are. And just because the place has flaws doesn't mean that Corso needs a bulletproof vest on set. The kind of things that have been said about this is shocking. Or maybe I just haven't gotten the memo. My wife and I went to Jackson a couple weeks ago and had a really nice, really fancy dinner in Jackson. I, I guess I forgot my vest, but luckily my car uh, you know, wasn't on cinder blocks and, and nobody shot at me. It's not. I can't a, believe you, of all people, forgot your vest. I, I, I don't know, right? You're a vest it's, guy. There are, again, there are a lot of problems in Jackson. Don't get me wrong. But there are good people there that do good things, and it's not exclusively bad. There are good things, nice things, fun things in Jackson. And your state capitol for three hours today is going to get a free billboard for millions of people. And if you're too afraid to go to Jackson... You're kind of a wuss, honestly. I go all the time. I lived there. Nothing happened to me. If I want a nice dinner, guess where I go? If I want to take James to the best park in the area, guess where I go? I go to Jackson. I haven't been shot at yet. So make your jokes, all that. But 55,000 people are going to fill a stadium after college game day is there. That's a really cool thing that too many people aren't going to appreciate because of many reasons, I suppose. I think it's going to be a great scene. It will be. It'll be I incredible. Think it's going to, it, and, and it's a huge opportunity for Jackson State. It's, uh, it's really cool. Really, really cool. I wonder who the guest picker will be. Yeah, we, we were debating that uh, all week, all weekend, I should say, in some group text I was in. I had two. We had two thoughts that we, we sort of came to a conclusion on. One would be a hip-hop star. Just makes sense. Sort of the same thing you had with Katy Perry going to Oxford. You get a big celebrity. My first thought was Big Crit. Big, successful rapper. He's from Meridian. He's actually a big Mississippi State fan, but that would work. But the, the idea that I like the best, and I don't know that it's feasible, would be Barack Obama. Hmm? Would he be willing to do that? He's a sports guy. So, you know, he could he, come in and he, he wouldn't be out of place there. And for an HBCU to have the first African-American president, it would, it would work, right? It works. Now, can you do it logistically with the Secret Service and everything else that's going to have to be there? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Oprah lived in but Mississippi for a while. Oprah is another name that was brought up, yeah. Somebody just put uh, Tony in Columbia, mentioned Robin Roberts, Mississippi native. That would be a good choice. Incredibly successful. Uh, was a sportscaster before becoming co-host mm -hmm. of Good Morning America. So, yeah, mm -hmm. a lot of options. And then Deion Sanders himself mm -hmm. is an option as well. I think it's... I, I thought about that, too, going the way Ole Miss did last year. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think Lane Kiffin is the only one that has uh, has done that. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll uh, we'll see how it, uh, how it shakes out. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky. Let's jump in and talk a little bit about uh, about Mississippi State. They go to Tuscaloosa. Final score thirty to six. 
Hey, Dad says, not as bad as he thought it was going to be. Mississippi State scored its touchdown on the final play of the game as time expired, literally as time expired, and they were not allowed to kick the extra point because it had no bearing on the outcome of the game. I learned that rule this weekend. I yeah. thought you had to kick the extra point. Um, let's start with the good. Mississippi State's defense and... I would say one player in particular stood out in terms of making plays, and it was not a guy that you would have guessed going in, and that's Sean Preston. Sean Preston Jr., who had to come in and play after the uh, the targeting penalty, and, and it was textbook targeting. It was targeting. No, um, no debate. I, I don't know that you expected Sean Preston to have that important or that big of a role? Five tackles, mm-hmm. couple of tackles for loss, couple of pass breakups. He played really well. Nathaniel Watson led the way he, with ten he, tackles. Tyrus Wheat had seven. Jet Johnson had five. And of course, Preston had that moment that's gone viral with his brother, who plays for Alabama. I thought that was mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Very cool. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, coaches always love to talk about next man up when those kind of situations. And I thought Preston did a good job. For State to bounce back the way they did defensively, I mean, a week after giving up 240 yards rushing to uh, to Kentucky, you only give up 29 yards rushing to Alabama. To Jameer Gibbs, who's been dominating teams all year long, so that was really impressive. Um, in the second half, I know that I know that you know you could say that okay, Alabama was sort of taking the put the brakes on a little bit, but at the end of the day, you could say that about almost every Alabama Mississippi State game for the past decade. And they still find a way to put up points in the second half. And they didn't really in this one. I mean, they, they scored six points, and one of those was after State fumbled a punt deep in their own territory. And Alabama couldn't get a first down, so they kicked the field goal. Um, so I thought defensively, you know, I, I made this comment on, on Thunder and Lightning that we're 32 games into Leach's tenure, and I still can't say, well, they lost that one because of the defense. And every time they lose, it's because they're just not doing enough offensively. Unfortunately, you hired Mike Leach, who's an offensive head coach, so that's disappointing. And the offense was disappointing. There's just no no other way to get around that, you know. I didn't have a problem with the aggressiveness. I didn't have a problem with the fourth down calls, but you got to execute at some point. You know, you got to catch the ball the ball again on the road. Drop passes haunt the Bulldogs. They had at least at least nine, at least nine, including one that was would have been a touchdown that would have made it a what twenty one to seven game in the, in the the third quarter. I mean, I don't think State's getting back in the game or anything, but. At least you feel like you are, but you drop a pass going into the end zone. Um, you, they gave up running the ball. They were running it pretty successfully early, and then they called 18 straight passes from the end of the second to about midway through the third. You just can't do that. you got, you got to you got to stay on the running game. This offense only works right now when you're running the football, and they, and they got away from it. Did you think that we would get to a point that regardless of po- opponent – Will Rogers would have a 50% passing day on 60 pass attempts. He was 30 of 60 no. for 231 yards. First time ever. The last passes got him above 50. Otherwise, that would have been the first time under 50 in his career. And, yeah, no, I would not have expected that. But when he dropped that many passes, and then he just he made some bad passes on top of that. We've got more coming up with you. We'll talk more about this game between Mississippi State and Alabama when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios.
Network. Network. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Mississippi State did defensively in the ball game against Alabama, where you're like, "Yeah, that's pretty good stuff." Alabama ran it 27 times for a net of 29 yards. Now, there was some negative team yardage in there. Bryce Young was sacked a couple of times for minus 13. Jameer Gibbs 10 carries for a net of 37 yards. Jace McClellan, six carries for a net of nine yards. Roydale Williams, six carries for seven yards. Alabama did not run the football. Mm-hmm. And, and they were very average throwing the football. 22 of 37, 261 yards, a couple of touchdowns, no picks. There's nothing that Alabama... I mean, and remember, Alabama is coming off a game, and I know Tennessee's defense has got problems. But they scored 49 points, and Bryce Young threw for like 480 last week. You can you can legitimately say State played well enough defensively to win the game. They did. You, uh, you can say that. And off, and and honestly, like like I was said on my on the podcast, I'll say it here. I feel better about State's chances against Georgia and Ole Miss now, coming off of a 24 point loss, than I did before. Because if State can play like that defensively, they can. If they can play like that defensively, I'll say it. They can beat Ole Miss and they can be in the game against Georgia. Uh, I won't quibble with you about the Ole Miss piece of it. I think I will quibble with you about the Georgia piece of it. I think Georgia's turned the corner. I, I think Georgia played with its food for a while. And mm-hmm. it feels to me like the Georgia Bulldogs are rounding into form. They're better defensively, mm-hmm. significantly, than Alabama. They are better defensively than Alabama. But that game being at home, State has been so Jekyll and Hyde at home and on the road this year that you feel like at home maybe they can they can find a way. The last time they played Georgia you know, in, in Leach's first year, that was one of their better games of the season in, in a game where they were down to 45 players. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. And Georgia will be coming off of a huge... Uh, game against Tennessee, and then the next week they'll be playing a big game against Kentucky. State's sort of in the middle of that. Never know. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I don't with think they're going to win. I'm not, I'm not picking a upset or anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Georgia's in this stretch where it's cocktail party this week, then Tennessee at home, then at Mississippi State. If there was going to be a time for a letdown for Georgia, that would be it. And and you may very well be right. We'll see. We'll uh, we'll see. I, I, I oof. Georgia and look. I know it's been Auburn and Vanderbilt in the last two weeks, but open date. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see with Georgia. There's nobody that's unbeatable in college football, though. Nobody in college football this year is unbeatable. And if you told me, hey, name the team that is most unbeatable. I think I'd tell you Ohio State. 
Clemson is beatable. Alabama has lost. Georgia has showed blips where they have not played well. TCU's undefeated, but I mean, don't, I mean, come on. They were down big against Kansas State and came back. Probably should have lost at home to Oklahoma State the week before. But credit to them, they're undefeated. It's period. So, hey, Dad, one of the things that, that we said last week going into this game for Mississippi State that I thought was going to be a problem was you got to push it downfield. You got to push the ball and test this Alabama secondary. Yeah. Porky, you were telling me the numbers earlier. Yards per pass attempt for Will Rogers this past week? Uh, just under four. If uh, I think it's 3.7. Yeah. And even the completions are under eight. When, when he was completing passes, it was under eight yards per completion. Yeah. I mean, the, the very similar uh, numbers to Kentucky, but, but worse. It, if, especially what was disappointing, and, and I understand that State had a week that you don't wish on anybody. And I, I wonder you know, how you can play under those circumstances. But this isn't unique to to this game this weekend. It's happened earlier this year, and it's happened against Alabama always under, under Mike Leach. But at some point, when you're playing a secondary that got torched the week before, and you're throwing for three yards per attempt and seven yards per completion, that's, that's rough. You're not going to win games being that underneath and conservative. I'm not smart enough to know if it's a wide receiver problem or a scheme problem, but that Alabama secondary is as vulnerable as an Alabama secondary has been since years. Mike Shula was the coach. And that still was the result. It's incredibly frustrating. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it is. Uh, Somebody sent us a message. What about Tennessee? Tennessee gave up 49 points and was fortunate to win last week. Against Alabama. They won. They're great. This is a really, really, really good football team. Do I think they're beatable? Yeah. In fact, I think Georgia's going to beat them here in a couple of weeks. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888 8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. o'clock hour with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation? You're welcome to join us on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business backed by world-class IT experts who live right where you do, here in Seaspire country. Check availability now at cspire.com slash business. We are coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home 
of the Sportsbook at Golden Moon Casino. For more information to see all that's happening, visit PearlRiverResort.com. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at GenteelApparel.com. You can also find Genteel at retailers across the state of Mississippi, like Mile 363 in Natchez, T. Sappington and Company in New Albany, Abrahams in Cleveland, Claude Julians in Kosciuszko, MLM in Tupelo, Shirley Dogs in Corinth, The Well-Dressed Man in Brookhaven, and Oxbow in Memphis. Uh, GenteelApparel.com. Be sure to check out the Collegiate Collection. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. But don't stop there. Test drive an F-150. 45 straight years, F-Series has been the number one selling truck in America. Well, today for the College Football Fix, we will get into scores from around the SEC and what else happened in college football outside the state of Mississippi this weekend. But first, can I give you a little no-context Mike Leach? I, I, a part context, I think this was from the post-game press conference on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, I think, based on what Mike Leach is wearing in the backdrop that I'm looking at. Here you go. And I'm genuinely fearful that on our team, if, if, if me and the other coaches don't get them right, um, <clears throat> that about a generation from now, um, their kids and their grandkids won't have hands. You know, because, um, you know, from a lack of use, those hands just disappear. I mean, and it, maybe it'll be like this, like those dinosaur ends like this are, you see. And, and you know, you got like a Tyrannosaurus Rex who's clearly good at eating things, big old jaws and all that stuff, fairly athletic and run. Well, his hands are like this. And, and, you know, and I think we took a very, very, very uh, big step as a team, which we have to correct this. We have to correct this because... Um, you know, I think that uh, in the end that it's going to be best for all these guys uh, that they have good hand development and that they don't evolve to where they don't have hands. Okay, but we definitely um, didn't use ours, and so there certainly wasn't any genetic reinforcement on our part um, that we should maintain our hands. I mean, and I don't want all of a sudden... You know, a guy's driving across this country, and then they get to Starkville, Mississippi, and all of a sudden there's these athletic-looking, friendly guys, because we have great guys that don't have any hands. And I hope that that's not the case. But that's where we're headed right now, and we're going to try to get that fixed in this off week. Mike Leach, physiological development during the off week, that is the, uh, that is the goal. What was the question, and did you ask it? I didn't ask it. God, I wish I had. The question was, what do you do in the off week to get better? And okay. that, that was only about a third of the answer. The first part of it was spent talking about how a, when he was a child, he used to travel the country with his family in a station wagon. And he described said station wagon. They would go to these gas stations where if you bought gas, they'd give you like a little free dinosaur toy. And he talked about the dinosaurs for a while. I wish... 
there was a video angle of the rest of the, the room so you could see all of our faces while that was going on because it would be a Renaissance painting. I've never seen anything like it. There was some poor kid from Alabama, some student intern who's used to Saban, who's just sitting there with his phone recording all this, and his face is, if, I hope you're watching on Super Talk TV as I do this, but his face was like, Because he's making hand gestures. And, he's doing, like, dinosaur yes, hands yeah, yeah. while he's talking. States S- I texted States SID, and I was like, I would pay $1,000 for an oil painting of your face while that was going on. Because he was just, like, the whole time. Hmm. It was incredible. Absolutely unbelievable. When Leach went left the room, there was, like, a five-second pause, and then I just said, what the bleep did he just do? <laughs> that's, that's how that went. <sighs> it's incredible. And I don't normally go to the press conferences. Normally I'll stay up there and do my post-game show, but because of the way Alabama does their media, I just didn't have the opportunity to do that. So I was like, all right, I'll go down to the press conference. And thank God I did. I got to be a part of history. It was incredible. That was the, good. The quote about... Been better after a win. Oh, yeah. But I mean that's that's what you get when you hire Mike Leach. I mean that's the good stuff. That's the stuff we used to play on here. The weekly Mike Leach when he was at Washington State. It was stuff like that. Yeah. The other quote though that people are talking about the if you want to scare my team, just put an Alabama jersey on. You want the exact quote? Yeah. We've got some guys who are afraid of the jersey that says Alabama on it. We spend a lot of time frightened with their jerseys. You want to scare some of the guys on our team? Put an Alabama jersey on, and it'll scare the hell out of them. This is the third time that you've played them. At what point does it become a you problem as a coach? Oh, we're not, we're not going to argue, are we? You're not going to yell at me, are you? Uh, why would I yell at you? Are you? I don't know. Robbie Falk yelled at me for saying that. I just want to make oh, sure no. that I'm not going to get yelled at no, here today. No, absolutely not. I'd never yell at you, no matter what you said. Thank you. Um, but I do wonder, at, at what point, if, no your, team, if your team is scared, yeah, yeah I wouldn't. It, <laughs> luckily, we have the FCC that keeps us PG on here. <laughs> That's true. It's true. It's true. Um, at what point, though, if your team is still afraid of a division opponent, does that go back on you instead of just... Instead of them, and, and I, I don't know that he was being problem. literal. No, yeah. it's I, been a problem since Mullen. Mullen coached afraid of Alabama. Go back and watch the 2014 game. He went there with the number one team in the nation and just coached afraid. You know, he, the team wasn't afraid, but he was. In this case, I don't think Leach is afraid, but his team is. That means it's on you to fix that. You got to fix that. Three years in, if your team is still afraid of Alabama, there's there's something wrong with the approach. And again, and I said it last week and I'll say it again, literally everybody else in the West and in the East that have played them in the last two years has had a competitive game with Alabama. Ole Miss has had a competitive game with Alabama. A&M has beaten them. Arkansas lost by seven last year. They were down five in the third quarter this year. LSU lost by six last year. Auburn lost by two. Florida lost by two last year. Tennessee beat them this year. Georgia has beaten them. And then there's Mississippi State. They can't stay within. I mean, 24 points was a new best for this team. And it was 30 points until the final tick of the game clock. Mm-hmm. I, I, whatever. I mean, State did some good things. They did some good things. 
But all those good things were on the defensive side. Can they carry that forward? It's a good sign for Auburn. If you're if you're shutting Alabama's running game down like that, it's a good sign for your next game. Is this a good time for the open date for Mississippi State? I think so. In terms of getting healthy, you should be able to have LaQuinston Sharp and Jaden Crumity back next week, maybe Dylan Johnson back next week. And then on top of that, to have the, the, the tragedy that you endured last week, mentally a break is probably what you need. Yeah. So Mississippi State is one of, what, one, two, four teams that have their open date this week. Alabama, open date before they go to LSU on November 5th. LSU open date before they host Alabama November 5th. Mississippi State open date. Auburn is their next game. It's at home. Next three are at home for Mississippi State. Three straight weeks, Auburn, Georgia, and East Tennessee State. And then Vandy gets the open date before hosting South Carolina, then going to Kentucky, then hosting Florida, then hosting Tennessee. Yeah, three out of the last four at home for uh, for Vanderbilt. And then Ole Miss is the final team in the SEC to get an open date. They are the only team that will be off next weekend they go to College Station this week, get the open date, then it's Alabama, Arkansas on the road, Mississippi State on Thanksgiving night. We are two-thirds of the way they through the college football season. Open date badly. Ole Miss does, absolutely. And it's part of what makes this week so big. They can find a way, whether it's by a field goal or 50, to win in College Station then it feels like they've really accomplished something within a week to get ready for that final stretch. We'll be back. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. joint statement today that came out from Florida and Georgia. The annual game between our two universities, parenthetically known as the cocktail party, is an important tradition. At this time, both programs are focused on our current seasons. Typically, both schools begin conversations regarding future games in the series as the last contracted game nears. We anticipate following that timeline. When those discussions take place, we will consider a multitude of factors, including tradition, finances, future SEC scheduling models with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, and what is best for both schools' football programs overall. Seth Emerson, who covers Georgia, says... Here's a story on an unusual statement that could be interpreted in multiple ways, but maybe shouldn't be interpreted at all. Who knows? Very much neutral observers here, I think. I don't think any of us have a dog in the fight for Florida or Georgia. Do you prefer seeing this game in Jacksonville on a year-in, year-out basis, or would you like to see that series go to campus? 
It's, it's a good question. Like, there are some that I really like at the neutral site. The, the, the one that stands out to me is Oklahoma, Texas, right? But I, I don't know why. I just, I just like it there. Okay. But this is one I, I could see going to campus, and I think it would be well received. You know, the same way you know you and I are old enough to remember when the Iron Bowl moved to campus, and and that was such a big deal. And it's it's obviously has worked out, and the, the atmospheres are much better there. Um, so yeah, I, I think this is one I would like to see. I like to see between the hedges and in the swamp. I think so too. I mean, if, now with the Iron Bowl, that was a home game for Alabama. I mean, Birmingham for and, and and Auburn people, you know, people might say, well, it's only two hours from Auburn, and you know, it, it was a home game for Alabama. Ask anybody tied to the Auburn side of things, that was a home game at Legion Field for Alabama, period. Auburn has played really, really well in that series at Jordan-Hare since it has gone back to campus. Really well. I'm told by people that I think would know that the only entity that wants that game to continue in Jacksonville is Jacksonville. Yeah, that makes sense. Both of those schools are losing a massive home recruiting weekend. Now, it's an, it's every other year, because obviously if you're the road team, you wouldn't have a home recruiting weekend. But every other year, you don't think Georgia would load up and Florida would load up on recruits coming in for that game? I mean, good grief, the Egg Bowl used to be played in Jackson. Can you imagine? No, no, this not a shot at Jackson. Not a shot at the stadium. Can you imagine that game at this point in time being played in Jackson oh, at it, Memorial it, Stadium? It, it's true. The, the the neighborhood that the stadium's in is is nice and growing. And it, Hey, that's buddy Robert St. John has just opened some, some new... I mean, it's a cool oh, little yeah, neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. The venue's not up to par for oh. something like that anyway. No. But... Now, they are playing in an NFL stadium, in fairness, but at the same, I mean, regardless. Yeah. I, I, here, here's another one that I'm curious about. You mentioned it a second ago, Red River. I think people I feel would like have that's going to stay in doubt. I think they would croak if that game got moved, but when Oklahoma and Texas moved to the SEC, did they use that as their opportunity to say, we're bringing this one to campus also? And, and not to Has me. that ever been played on campus? Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that. Yeah. Not to mention the revenue. I, I mean, you've said it before, so I can reveal a detail about your personal life, Richard. You, you guys are a store owner, a local store owner. Yeah. Could you imagine adding an extra game weekend? What that would do to to the revenue in in, in your business if you got to add another one? But it's not just adding another one. It's adding that one. That one. And so right. the, the stakes that would be elevated from your local economy. It, so the, I, I will tell you, every business in Oxford would love for Georgia to come to Oxford every two years. <laughs> love. Yeah. Not like. Love. All right. I did the research. Hasn't been played on campus since 1922. When wow. it was in Norman... Hasn't been played in Austin since 1911. Oh, and I guess Austin and I was from, in Austin in 1923. My, oh, you're right. Okay, my bad. So yeah, prior to that, it's been played in Houston, Oklahoma City, 
And like I said, since 1923, I'm sorry, they, they had a six-year lull there. Since 1929, it's been in Dallas. Except for one year where it was in Arlington. Hmm. Interesting. That was probably when renovations were going on to the Cotton Bowl, and yeah. they played it at they played it at Jerry the World. old stadium. Yeah. Well, old Cowboy Stadium. What year was that? Did they not play it at 2018? Oh. 18? Okay. Oh, no, no, that was it. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. That's the Big 12 championship game. That's my yeah. bad. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. To your point earlier, when when these people are making these decisions, could you imagine trying to talk Keith Carter and John Cohen into getting rid of the home egg bowl? Forget the date. Thanksgiving, Saturday, doesn't matter. Forget the date. Could you no. imagine sitting them two down and saying, hey, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're taking the egg bowl away from your home stadium and campus, and it's going to go no two hours away. I'll tell you another one that's about to go back to campus. Arkansas, Texas, A&M are about to stop playing at Dallas. Yeah, Arkansas. this is the really? last year, isn't it? This was the last year. I don't know if it was this. I don't know if that. I don't know that that's been announced. I'm pretty sure. Publicly. I'm. I'm pretty sure that they announced that this was the final year. The next year they're back on campus. Because that was a ten-year contract, wasn't it? I think it was a ten-year contract with with Jerry Jones or with Jerry Stadium. Arkansas has finally gotten to a point where they're playing all of their meaningful games outside of that one in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. In Fayetteville. Their schedule this is... year, they, they don't go to Little Rock this year. I do think they go to Little Rock next year, but it's for a, a low-key non-conference. non-conference game. The only thing to consider is if they go to this, they go to this 3-6 model and you're playing nine home games, right? So you're going to have... An odd number, right? Some years you'll have four home games, sometimes you'll have five. Right. Well, then you, you do that, and then you have a neutral site game if you're Texas or Oklahoma. You may only have three conference home games. You can't do that. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Imagine joining the SEC and, and sacrificing that. There's no way. And, and gosh, you know, the schedule, your three conference home games could be Kentucky, Missouri, and Auburn. I mean... None of the big names come into town. I mean, you can't have that. You just can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for example, this year, look, look at Ole Miss. They host the Egg Bowl this year. Right. If it, if this was a year where, you know, it was a neutral site, I mean, your, your home schedule would have been Kentucky, Auburn, and Alabama in conference play. Yeah, not bad. You know, if it was the other way, well, it's, it's only three. Okay, let, let's switch. Let's just switch. Uh, uh, Georgia with Ole Miss, and say Ole Miss was in Starkville, and then you have three games: Arkansas, Auburn, Texas A and M. I mean, that's that's not what you want. No, it's not what you want. No. Nineteen ninety one was when it went back to campus in in Mississippi. It's when the Egg Bowl went back to campus, and uh, I mean. I'm not saying that there won't be some stadium construction somewhere in the next 50 years that causes it to be played off campus for a single season, but it's never going back off campus. No. Never, never, Nor never. should it. No, it should not. Absolutely not. Now, Borky hopes it just gets off Thanksgiving night. That's his thing. Yeah, just – and you can't move it to Friday either. So, uh, what is it, Arkansas and, uh, and Missouri? Missouri. 
Uh, Missouri have that that, that game's about to get buried because the NFL's decided, wait, why do we give that day to college might, football? We're not going to do you know, that anymore. You know what might help it? You know what might help it is uh, when Texas comes in, Texas, Texas A&M used to be the Thanksgiving night game every year. So maybe you take the egg ball off of there and, and put Texas, Texas A&M back. I know Borky wants to throw things at me when I say this. It just doesn't bother me. Well, because Thanksgiving like it night game's cool. Doesn't bother, doesn't bother me. But, yes, I, I also realize that all of my family is in the state of Mississippi, and that makes a difference. So I'll give you that. Just take off, Borky. We'll live well, without you. It's okay. And it's not traditional either. More Egg Bowls have been played on Saturday than Thanksgiving. It's not even tradition or history or whatever. Thanksgiving is traditional. Sports talk. I can't Mississippi. wait for the content that's going to come out of you two guys spending Thanksgiving together. Hey, Dan, I hadn't told you. There is a crew coming to our house that day. <laughs> no, you did tell me. You did tell oh, okay. me. I can't wait. I think the count's like 30. We'll be back. Communication system is a go. Go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Talk Mississippi, rolling along with you on this Monday afternoon, the 24th of October. Thanks for being with us. Spence around in, it was a light weekend in the SEC. I mean, what, 65-24 Tennessee over UT Martin. I mean, they were tied at seven at one point. they, They were tied at seven at one point. I mean, Tennessee ran for... 201 yards and threw it for 495 yards, and they played five quarterbacks. Hendon Hooker went 18 to 24 with three touchdowns. Taven Jackson played, Joe Milton played, Gaston Moore played, and Princeton Fant played. Big day for Princeton Fant. He went one of one for 66 yards and a touchdown. Good for him. Jalen Hyatt, not just going to rest on the numbers that he put up against Alabama. He had seven catches for a buck 74 and two touchdowns, caught all seven balls that came his way in the game. So yeah, that's enough from that game, right? Tennessee won, and now they move on. The Vols have Kentucky this weekend. That's a big one. It's a big one in Knoxville on Saturday night. It is. A litmus test for Kentucky to some degree, anyway, I think. Uh, but more importantly for Tennessee, I mean, it, not that their styles are identical, but if Tennessee just shows up, plays well, and puts Kentucky away, then the national championship kind of conversations may be legitimate. But if they struggle and it's kind of a slog, I think you know what's coming with Georgia the week following, if that makes sense. Yeah, It's going to tell us about what they're facing next week, depending on how they play in this one, I think. 
Mizzou Vandy was just gross. Missouri led seventeen to nothing. Vandy scored in the third quarter. They scored in the fourth quarter with about four minutes left. They did miss a field goal that would have made it seventeen to ten, which would have made that fourth quarter touchdown really big. But I mean, like even looking at the numbers, Vandy runs for fifty-seven and throws for two forty-two. Two quarterbacks played. Missouri runs for ninety-seven and throws for two eleven. It's just yeah, they're yuck. they're stinky. Just yuck! I mean, it's two bad football teams going at it. Texas A&M, South Carolina. There's been a lot that has been made of the atmosphere at that game, and it it sounded really good. There are a bunch of empty seats there, though. Yes, seventy-seven thousand eight hundred thirty-seven was the announced attendance for that game. Williams Bryce Stadium seats what about eighty four thousand? Not sure exactly. I'm actually curious about that. A great atmosphere though. Um, Eighty five thousand one hundred ninety nine is the record attendance. Regardless of how many people were there, South Carolina's got something going at home. Right, good environment. Team feeds off of it. They play well there. Marshawn Lloyd kind of feels like the running back that nobody in the SEC knows about. Yeah, got banged up a little bit there. Hope he's okay. Uh, That long touchdown run that sealed the game, he came up a little gimpy. Yeah. 92 yards rushing, two touchdowns. That was, what, a 24-yard touchdown run? Yeah. They play hard for that guy, for sure. They're lacking in personnel, but my gosh. I mean, they play hard for Shane Beamer. They do. Spencer Rattler is just a guy. Nothing special about him. 12 of 25 for 168 yards with no touchdowns and no interceptions. He was sacked twice. And all of this is well and good, Richard. Mm -hmm. But what I took from this game is this. We're all going to be paying $15 a gallon for gas come Christmas time. Not because of anything Joe Biden or the Congress does. Because the A&M is going to buy out Jimbo Fisher. They just can't go any further like this. Do you believe that? I'll, like, I'll put it this like, way. Like, and you know me. Like you, you know, really you know what? I always that. say it. I always say, like, if you want to do something, somebody's always got the money. $90 million is a lot of the money. But, it, it's, but it's not just got $90 it. million. It's not just $90 million. It's $90 million to get rid of the guy. And then, and then based on what we've seen from him, they're going to turn around and go pay somebody else $90 million to come in and I get it. different results. I get it. And don't forget that. This guy would be fired if, if, it weren't his, if it weren't for Ross Bjork. This is his fifth year, and it's going to be his worst year. I mean, this, this, is, this is untenable. The, the buyout so, is Do I think him. it's going to happen? Probably, yeah, the buyout's the only thing that's happened. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But will I be shocked to find out that a couple A&M boosters make a phone call and say, we've got the money, get rid of Bjork, and get rid of Fisher? No, I won't be totally surprised if that happens. Well, you got to get rid of Bjork, too. You can't that, have that guy do anything. Is Barrett the one that each week puts up the... The Sumlin comparison, yes. The, the, the Sumlin and Jimbo comparison, well, and now, worse now, right? Yeah, I, I would say it's now worse. Sumlin is two games ahead of him. Sumlin is now two games ahead of him. It's unbelievable. What it's they, incredible. And they're they, paying ninety million dollars. They, they are a. They're about three inches away from being two and five. Mm. 
Arkansas hit a field goal off a, off the top of the upright. If KJ Jefferson doesn't play Superman on first down, yeah. And uh, so, Which in fairness, they're also a better play call from having a win on their resume against Alabama. They are, but they didn't. Possibly. So they sit at three and four, which I guess is apt. It it, it has balanced out. But the fact that this, I mean, no, let, let's be totally clear what it is with the amount that they have invested on this roster, for them to be as bad as they are is shocking. It's shocking. The portal. Through the portal coming games. out of College Station. It's going to be incredible. Kevin Sumlin through 55 games was 39-16. and 16. Jimbo Fisher through 39 games is 37-18. and 18. And and now you've got the issue, right? That that's the thing mm-hmm. is because of the because of the portal. When you have toxicity, guys are going to line up to get out. And and when you hear players in press conferences talk about a fractured locker room, and then people that cover the team have intimated it's worse than than just that, and they're losing games, but the buyout might prevent you from making a change and you've just got to eat it, but it's not like next year's buyout's much better. What does it go from 86 it's still 80, to... 81 million. Yeah. It's 81. So what a bizarre situation they and found themselves in. the year after that, in. it's 72. And yeah. the year after that, it's 63. It really, it really doesn't become manageable until like eight years in when it's down to like 18 million. So well, you can't do that. If you're Ross Bjork, Kyle says you guys just convinced me they will beat Ole Miss. See, and that that's the thing here. Uh, so uh, They have talent on the defensive side. They do. Ole Miss is beat up pretty badly, but A&M is beat up worse. Uh, look, if I know Ole Miss has injury issues. I understand that. But we hear so often from Ole Miss fans about how they, they should be respected as a national program, and we've, we've heard the record, and, and Kiffin's done a phenomenal job. But if you want to maintain that level of respect – you don't lose to a third-string quarterback making his first start when you're the favorite against a team that has a losing record. You don't lose games like this if you are the program that you say that you are. They are, I mean, they, they just lost. Their confidence is dwindling. Again, third-string quarterback you're going to likely see on Saturday behind an offensive line that has a bunch of backups playing at this point. And their confidence yeah. is destroyed. Their locker room, according to their players, is fractured. You win games like this. You have to. If Connor Wegman starts, I mean, it, I don't even know if this is really debatable. Connor Wegman is the most talented among the three quarterbacks that either have played or are playing at Texas A&M this year. But he's also a true freshman. And had some good throws, not so good throws. But, I mean, think about it. In what feels like a must-win game, really for both teams, and, and I know it's a little strange to say when Ole Miss is 7-1, and one, but you you, you got to look at it in context of what's left. The, the, the schedule's not getting any easier over the final three games of the of the regular season. And, and so Wegman is facing an Ole Miss team that knows what the stakes are, and they're down three starting offensive linemen. I mean, Jimbo could no coach confirms injuries. Jimbo confirmed today that they would be down three starting offensive linemen this week. 
Ninety million. It is a really, really, really big game for Ole Miss on Saturday night. Getting to the bye eight and one, everybody and their brother would have signed up for that. Oh, I mean, could you yeah. imagine saying that in August that you're, you're playing and, a three and, and four A and N team to get to is. eight and one? Yeah, and if you get to that by the bye week at at eight and one, who cares what what the one was? Whether it was LSU this past weekend, whether it had been Kentucky earlier in the year, whether you stubbed your toe against Auburn, it doesn't matter. You're eight and one with three to play. And two of those are at home. One of those two is against Alabama. We'll be back. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. With you on this Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Visitoxfordms.com. You can go to the events page and see all the things that are happening in Oxford. A couple more weeks before another home football game. So plenty of off-week stuff to do. Great restaurants, great shopping. They were... uh, they were working on stringing the Christmas lights from the courthouse last week. That's a, a long process. <laughs> you got to start it, what, two months before Christmas? But, yeah, take, take some time. Uh, turn, turn Oxford into a, uh, a little snow globe here in the, uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, visit OxfordMS.com. Be sure to follow them on all of their social media channels as well. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, one last time. There were some quotes from Kirby Smart uh, about moving the cocktail party. He said, we're allowed to use tickets, but we can't host them. We can't do anything. So I never understood. I never understand what would we do with them. He's talking about recruits. We can't legally see them. We can't talk to them. We can't host them, visit with them. We can say, there's a ticket at the gate. Enjoy the game. That's really all we can do. We'll do that. We'll have some kids go to the game. He says he enjoys all of the stuff around it, the pageantry, etc. But Kirby Smart says when it comes down to it, there's a very, very basic element of everything comes back to number one, money, and number two, recruiting and getting good players. I firmly believe that we'll be able to sign better players by having it as a home and home because we'll have more opportunities to get them to campus. Well, it's done then. That's done. a bit. It's also that's, a bit scary. It's done. If he thinks they can get better players than they're getting right now, <laughs> that's all you had to hear, though. It's done. That Florida Georgia will be in Jacksonville no more. It's over. The second Kirby Smart said that, I mean, you already knew. You said it earlier, but that's confirmation. That it is. Yeah. Could you imagine Nick Saban going to Alabama and saying, hey, this thing we do impacts my recruiting? It would end immediately. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't even have to have an argument. He would just be like, we're changing it, and, and if you don't like it, you can go get another job. Some of the games from around the country, 
from this past weekend. Ohio State big over Iowa. C.J. Stroud had four touchdown passes. Clemson-Syracuse. Garrett Schrader threw for 167 yards. Syracuse had the opportunities, man. They didn't get helped out by the officials, but they still kind of kind of down their leg. Yeah. And 17 fourth quarter points by Clemson. And it was all because of the freshmen. So they benched DJ. Klubnik comes in, leads them to a comeback victory, and after the game, Dabo Sweeney tells the media, you can go ahead and write that. DJ's our quarterback. He... Well, Dabo, everybody has eyes, right, and presumably a functioning brain, telling the media that they're going to perpetuate false narratives about quarterbacks when you yourself benched a guy, brought in another guy, and he won the game. Which he was 2 of 4 for 19 yards. Ran the football well as well. They did. Yeah, he did have six carries for 15 yards. There's a sack in there, right? He had a couple of first downs with his legs. Yeah, his long run was 11 yards. There's a reason you benched DJ, and there's a reason you brought in this kid, and there's a reason you won the game with him. Yeah. If he doesn't make the change, Clemson doesn't win. TCU beat Kansas State 38-28. They outscored him 21 to nothing in the second half. Adrian Martinez went out of the game. Kansas State had not thrown an interception all season long. And they had backup quarterbacks throw a couple. Yeah. Will Howard threw one. Jake Rubley threw one. Max Duggan, good again. 280 yards, three touchdowns. That's Borky's Heisman dark horse, Max Duggan. UCLA and Oregon. We talked about it earlier. How about Bo Nix? 22 of 28, Brian Haydad, for 283 yards and five touchdowns. I always believed in that guy. Yeah, you did. <laughs> he just flat out played DTR. Zach Charbonnet had a yeah. good game for UCLA, but it was not enough. Oregon rushed for 262 yards. In that game. That's an Oregon team that's good and seems they've to be been, getting better. They've been good every week since the first week. They got blown out by Georgia, no shame in that. Since then, they've played great. Yeah. Uh, Spencer Sanders had a good day for Oklahoma State. Threw for 391 yards and two touchdowns in the win over the Texas Longhorns. Quinn Ewers threw for 319, but he had 30 incompletions. Two touchdowns, three interceptions. Fun weekend of college football. Look forward to being with you again tomorrow. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Have a great Monday night. business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll, MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff, MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. 
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.